Have you ever wanted an instruction manual for your life? Something that went over the stuff that isn't always obvious? Or even some of the stuff that is? My name is Sarah Ramsey. I'm a singer, voice, performance, and growth coach, and I've spent a lifetime open to the lessons behind our experiences and seeking out pathways to becoming more enlightened, better humans. And I'm Dr. Stefan Rabnett. I've been a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine for over 20 years, and I'm also a Jay Shetty certified life coach. I've long been fascinated with our human superpowers, the ones we don't quite have the instruction manual for, and I'm forever curious about how we can unlock them. Welcome to This Big Life Podcast, where we have deeper conversations about the nature of existence, our place in it, and how we can leverage these things to create the life we want. Basically, we're bringing the woo-woo to you, you. But don't worry, we don't take ourselves too seriously. Welcome, everybody. We are here today talking about the importance of creating a physical space that feels good in order to create a mental space that feels good. And what that relationship looks like between the two. It's an important topic. And it is an interesting one because it, for me personally, it really kind of focuses of what I'm aware of and what I filter out just in the different mm-hmm. physical spaces that I create mm-hmm. in my home, at work, that type of thing. And um, kind of researching this a little bit, I really started to pay attention to the things that I wasn't really paying attention to with my conscious mind and how many of the things that I can easily just kind of gloss over, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, this is a really interesting topic. And, you know, I'm going to kind of throw a few things in with respect to feng shui, um, mm-hmm. just because that is kind of that, you know, like kind of art of kind of flow. And really, when we talk about a physical space enhancing our mental space, there is that aspect of flow, right? And that's why like kind of, it seems like having when your external environment has a certain resonance, then that kind of reflects with respect to our mental state. So I'm excited to dive in and let's explore it. Yeah, I think, um, I think, when we first started talking about this topic and, you know, I started making notes for myself, I um, realized how much I have sort of intuitively over the years, I know that I'm someone for whom it makes, there's an enormous connection, but that goes both ways. It's not just physical creates the mental space. It's also the physical space is a reflection of my mental space. So being someone who I have bipolar two, And so my, my moods have actually been like, honestly, pretty well managed and reasonably stable for several years now. But it doesn't mean I don't go through ups and downs, for sure. And it's actually one of the ways that I can one of the external cues that I can see when I'm about to like dive off a cliff down into a very dark place is my environment gets very chaotic and cluttered and 
it feels out of control. And I don't know whether that is like <laughs> contributing to me going down the dark rabbit hole, or if that, what I think is that it's actually more a reflection of my state of mind. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. So when you're in that state and you notice kind of the chaos changing, you know, like a change in kind of chaotic kind of almost mm -hmm. symptoms environment, are you able to kind of like pause and be like, whoa, what's my mental state here? Yeah, I, I, yes. I mean, there are, few, there are a couple of things that for me are clear indicators that I'm about to uh, go into the badlands. <laughs> Um, and this is one of them. And I can, as I get older, age, wisdom, experience, um, I recognize them sooner. And mm. what I like is that I'm now able to use those cues to look for the, the tools, whether that's like medication or therapy or, or just a better self-care routine, you know, whatever, like there are mm -hmm. lots of tools at my disposal, but I'm able and willing to seek out uh, bumping up the use of those tools much sooner in the process, because now I recognize the external cues better. That's awesome. Yeah, because that's yeah. key, because I think, you know, sometimes it's easier said than done for people, like we can kind of descend into whatever pattern, but it's being, it's being able to recognize when we're in that kind of soupy mess. So, mm -hmm. So you've, it seems like you've been able to create that habit of a certain, a few cues to kind of pierce through even temporarily to be like, whoa, okay, let's do something with the Sarah train here. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the opposite is true uh, in, in so far as if there's something big coming up. So let's look at this through the lens of like, when we have a big project, coming up. I have the feeling you and I are both familiar with this mental space. When there's a big project of some variety coming up, um, we often tend to, uh, quote unquote, procrastinate doing the work to that's going to like, um, result in, in a good way with that project. Often, uh, and I know I'm not alone in this, um, that procrastination can take the form of cleaning. And sometimes <laughs> it's the only time I do the cleaning. Cleaning is not so much like an easy place for me. So what I have come to recognize is that that what I have been perceiving as procrastination and I don't want to sit at my computer and do this thing for eight hours. So instead, I'm going to clean my office and organize my systems. That piece, I've come to see that within balance as actually a preparation tool for the project. Because what I'm doing is creating a physical space that feels better, not so chaotic, not so overwhelming, and it feels like I'm more able to function in the um, process of the project. Interesting. So it's like a nesting, right? Like, is it like a nesting kind of, basically yeah. kind of for birthing an idea or a project? That's a great analogy. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting how we can almost like, oh, is it procrastination, but it's also a contribution. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like it kind of really kind of sets the stage for things to flow because it's cleaner and it is kind of more prepared for kind of what kind of comes next. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. I, um, I've, I've always had a bit of a self-limiting belief that I'm not like a good cleaner, you know, or I'm, is a, it's a challenge. And, um, and just like my partner now, Caitlin, she is like, it's incredible. Like the space that she can create in terms of cleanliness, everything that, that is possible. But I've realized that it's, you know, it's really all relative. And then two, when I do put in the effort to kind of change a space, there is just something that just flows. There's just something. It's not only a sense of accomplishment, but it's like all those things you have created a space. And it just accentuates how much the subtle visual cues that we take in on a constant basis that's beyond our conscious mind affects our mood. So if you like, I walk into a space that's been like perfectly kind of organized and tidied and it just feels different, but sometimes I'll go into a chaotic space and not necessarily know it because I just adapt to kind of blocking stuff out. So I noticed the uptick in that change in terms of a kind of progressive clean space and it makes all the difference. And -hmm. again, I think a lot of it, you know, we can look into how, um, where our filters are. Right. And again, Mm -hmm. we all have filters. We have to have filters, right? We have to block out data points with our, all our senses because we'd be overwhelmed otherwise, but those kind of filters are subjective. And some of the stuff that I've in my past, especially that I haven't noticed, like kind of clutter and stuff Mm -hmm. is, is interesting because it's, um, I've looked at it, like, do I not want to see it or what exactly is it about it that I don't notice sometimes when things are as messy as they are? And I can say, well, part of it is just kind of having a positive outset or like mindset in terms of, well, everything's fine. You know, everything's kind of okay. But I also realize there's an aspect of avoidance and I've had that at times, like almost of avoidance of dealing with the muck, right? Symbolically, Mm -hmm. right? And dealing with that kind of symbolic kind of clutter, that mental stuff that almost within us, sometimes we don't know where to put. Like, where, well, how do I, what, what is that kind of feeling, that thought, that kind of whatever? I don't know where to put that. I'm just going to forget that it's there and just going to put there. I'm going to totally put my head in the sand. Exactly. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what, what problem? What are you talking about? <laughs> it's all <laughs> fine. Right. Like, that meme of the dog and there's fire everywhere. It's like, I'm fine. Right. <laughs> because it's like, and I've realized at times that I, I've definitely had that. And, um, it is empowering to be able to look at that, obviously, especially without judgment, you know, and that's a theme I talk about a lot just because I've had kind of experiences with that, that I will use self judgment to not look at things. So be Mm -hmm. like, well, oh my gosh, like if I do have those kind of, if I am putting my head in the sand, like I shouldn't be the one to do that. So, you know, and so I don't look at it, but if it's not without judgment, you can look at it and be like, Hey, interesting. Why am I putting my hand in my hand? Well, my hand and my head, maybe all your bits, <laughs> everything in this ad, we won't kind of go further down that line. Right. It's, it's, it's what am I being unconscious of by essence, almost by choice. And mm-hmm. that I think really gets reflected in our environment. Yeah. So this is a really interesting topic because again, it reflects they're, they're so 
they're so um, related to each other, that physical kind of space, mm -hmm. the outside, the inside, right? As above, so below, like the themes that kind of permeate the different levels of our existence, you know, they transcend the things that seem like they're separate. And this is a very good example of that in terms of the outside and to the inside. And, and I think then when we allow ourselves to look at it, then we can start to enhance it. Right. And that's where, um, things like, you know, feng shui kind of come into play, which is really, really fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things like I'm by no means an expert at all in it. Like there's people that devote their whole lives and careers to like learning the subtleties of flow, but they're helpful, right? Like the, even the kind of basic aspect is flow and really feng shui is just that art of placement, that art of flow. And really, if you look at it, it's just the amount of subtle cues that we pick up subconsciously that kind of change and help our own mindset towards something. And yeah. even just, um, you know, we moved recently and I'm excited to set up my office because there was a few things that I, I kind of reread that I knew before, but I'd forgotten about like subtle things, like where to put your desk, different things mm -hmm. like that, that, um, on one level, you know, it, it seems like, oh, well, maybe that's not important, but it is important. At least it can yeah. be, especially if it changes our mindset towards something. And I think that we have to acknowledge that what feels good in a, in a physical space and how that, you know, pathway works with our mental space, that's very personal, meaning what feels good to one person doesn't feel good to somebody else. It's been a really interesting journey. Uh, you were talking about, you know, sometimes there's clutter and you don't see it, right? And I have been aware that my husband, Steve, he and I see clutter very differently. So he sees my stuff that I like stop seeing and doesn't bug me. And he says, you know, how long has that been going to be in the hallway? Can like, it's a mess. Just do something about it or whatever. And I see his clean laundry and his dirty laundry mixing in piles on the floor in our living room. And I say, that's a mess. Can you clean it up? But he doesn't see he, like he, he genuinely doesn't, um, process his laundry pile as a mess and I don't really process my bin in the hallway as a mess but we see each other's and totally. part of that um part of the investigation process also like it came from that and also trying to piece together um I, I, I we're in the process I think we're kind of probably on the cusp of an ADD diagnosis for Steve and so there's been a lot of learning for that and my son is, has ADHD. And so there's been some learning around that. And it took me down a rabbit hole one day. And it's actually about organization styles, but it, it, it's kind of relevant to the ADD piece too. You can go to a site called, a website called clutterbug.me. And you take a quiz and it's your like clutter or organizing 
style and there's four and they name them you know whatever it's like butterfly late but butterfly ladybug whatever they're you know cute little flying things um but i did that quiz steve did that quiz and we realized that i love systems i love drawers i love my label maker in a way that is probably not right you know, like I just, I adore my label maker and it gets used, everything is labeled. So that appeals to me, that kind of like really clear, broken down systems, drawers. That, But then I get overwhelmed with actually putting things where they're supposed to go. I love the system of it, but I have a little hard, bit of a hard time like following through and getting them there. So I end up with doom piles everywhere. Paper is the worst for me. I have piles of paper everywhere in my office. Steve, on the other hand, if you put something in a drawer, and this is the ADHD piece, there's object impermanence. To him, it no longer exists. When we met, he had two giant dressers and not a stitch of clothing lived in them. His clothing lived in piles in the hallway of his apartment because he could see them and he knew where they were. Interesting. Totally. Right. There's an aspects of safety in all of those things. And I just want to say, I doom pile is now one of my favorite things. I'm going to use that. So thank you for giving that. Absolutely. So, and that so is really interesting. His, we organized his stuff on shelves, not in drawers. It's like all of his clothes are on shelves so that he can see them because that works better. And it works better than me, than the floor, as far as I'm concerned, you know, Right. But like two completely different organizing styles. And like if I put all of his stuff in drawers, the the connection from physical space to mental space would be so stressful for him because he couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. If all of my stuff was intentionally out in piles visible that would create huge mental like bleh, yeah because it wouldn't flow right like it would I be an aspect systems. of totally no i like it's so, so it's true right super personal because there's themes right like there's themes to our existence there's themes to those filters right just as you said there's different types there's different um ways to kind of categorize those themes and you know that's uh, for me i've you know i really like the five element kind of system of mm -hmm. kind of taking stuff and putting it into five kind of general kind of themes or categories that permeate everything from our health to our beliefs to how we look at space. Right. And so when you were saying that, I was just like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Like that precision aspect and like, you know, it's such a metal kind of aspect and quality. And it's, it's interesting because I think that's the one, that's the biggest point. There's no one right way right? There's no one right way to organize or clean your space. We might say, right. this is clean. That's an objective point of view. It's clean or not, but it's not, right? Mm -hmm. There is that aspect of how things, what is clean is subjective. And that subjectiveness is based on our filters, which is based on all sorts of stuff from genetics to our past experiences, all the little bits that make kind of us, us. And yeah. really when you get into it, it's fascinating, right? And it is relevant. 
and again, it's that aspect. And if we don't judge it, we can get a lot of information. Like, mm-hmm. and I think it's very easy, especially in relationships to be like, there's a right way and a wrong way. Right. When really what we're saying <laughs> is there's my theme my or your theme. And your way. Yeah. <laughs> and my way's right. Right. Like, so it's like, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> always always clearly (laughs) but it's when we can look at how there's different and it sounds like you guys have been able to do that right there isn't a right it's always a work in progress (laughs) (laughs) right but that's what that's what creates growth is those works in progress right and being able to realize that there is more than one way to look at these things Mm -hmm. and you know yeah I, i totally agree like i've also been a very easy junk drawer type of guy or pockets, mm. right? Like I've always been that, like, I want areas to stuff stuff, right? Like, it's just kind of <laughs> like, right. And I realized, what is that? Well, there's a big part of me that over the years has wanted to be like, I'm going to deal with that later. That's a later mm-hmm. problem. Right. And so that's where the junk drawer problem. That's a future Stefan thing. I'll deal with that later. That's a later thing. Okay. Whatever is like there. Oh, and there's an also aspect of that is out of sight, out of mind. Right. Even though that's a bit of a fallacy because it's not right. It even is like, there is still kind of that aspect that it's in there. To me, it's like out of sight weighs on my mind. Yeah. Interesting. Right. And because what's lurking, right? Like if it's Mm -hmm. out of sight, like what's there? Like, is it going to come? Like, what what is it? Like, I want to know, is it there? Mm -hmm. And, um, for me, there's an earth element aspect of worry, right? It's almost Mm -hmm. like worry exists almost to not have worry. So you have this dichotomy of how you're defining something, worry, not worry. So if it's out of sight, it's like not worry. Right. And then it's always Mm -hmm. like, even though you haven't dealt with anything, right. It's still like kind of that metric of worry, not worry, right. Expose, not exposed for something else. Mm -hmm. Like there's all those kind of how we kind of define things in these different dualities. So it is an interesting like kind of exercise to go through and look at how we treat our space, right? And we can learn a lot about ourselves and our filters and our needs, right? Like the things that Mm -hmm. kind of help us be us. And it is so true. Like, and I think this is what we're trying to really hammer home here is how individualistic it can be. Hugely. And it's not a rightness or wrongness. You back up and you look at, decorating styles for lack of a better term but you know there's sort of a more masculine look there's more feminine look or there's like stark or modern or there's a little bit softer or a bit wooey or you know what are the elements that are visually pleasing to you um and what are the ones that are functional and how can they intersect in a way that feels good specifically for you because that's what creates the pathway to the less cluttered mental space totally totally it is and it's a balance between generalities and then specific kind of aspects and you know with like you know just again going back to kind of that feng shui as an example they're always like well okay you want to have a balance of all the five elements and that's true. And there's certain general things like, you know, using an office space, for example, there's tendencies that will create a certain flow kind of regardless of that space. So like, you know, having your desk, not with a back to the door, like kind of where you're facing mm-hmm. the door and, and quote unquote, a power position or kind of facing kind of different directions is a certain way of kind of flowing. And, um, 
you know, you want something kind of close behind you as opposed to the wall being kind of way back over, over yonder. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, you know, it's good not to have too much kind of fire element because that fire is, is, um, can be chaotic energy. But in that some people need a little bit of chaos, right? Mm -hmm. And some people need a little bit less. And it, again, depends what you're, you know, using your office for using a room for, but we all have friends that actually are so kind of rigid in a way that a little bit of chaos and undefinedness is probably something that's a contribution to them. And then we also have kind of friends and people that they're so chaotic that a little bit more kind of refined, a little bit less kind of fire element or an increase in the water element that kind of helps with kind of tame that fire element is important. So mm -hmm. it is really cool because there are aspects that are generally, okay, this is going to generally help, but to create a space, but in that space is where that individualistic aspect is so important. Mm -hmm. And really it's, we're the only ones that are really going to be able to know what that is, you know, for mm -hmm. ourselves. And it just kind of, I think starts with the willingness to look at it without making ourselves wrong in any way for what we see. And, yeah. uh, yeah, it's cool. And to me, the, like the scale for me, the, the sweet spot that's in the center is I've got clear access to my creativity and it's not feeling blocked by the space that I'm in. Yeah. That's the, that's like the metric of success for me that I've totally good point on the one hand, if you sway too far to one polarity i think you can really get into that um you know we've talked a lot about how you can get into the space of chaos and clutter and uh that's a place that we you know is, is too far in one direction but the 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 polarity of that the too far in the other direction is being um overly perfectionistic with it right totally. and i think that can be equally as and this is what you're talking about some people need a little chaos i think if you get stuck too far in the perfectionism of it if your space always looks like a magazine spread and it doesn't look like somebody lives or works there then like is that truly how you function best or is that coming from a different place well, what's a, off, yeah sorry go ahead i was just gonna say i had a friend who this is just her home space now this definitely did, did wander into territory that I think would be probably um, questioning a bit of an OCD, like a diagnosable, you know, OCD perfectionist area. So this is a pretty extreme example, but she used to go to bed at night. And there were times where she got up out of bed and said to her partner, I have to go because the shoes in the hall aren't straight. So she had to go straighten the shoes, but that to her, that control over the physical environment was her way of keeping, you know, that path clear. But I do think it can, as much as the chaos can render trouble, the overly perfectionistic, overly uh, controlled environment can also be problematic. So you want to well, find that sweet spot totally. in the middle. Because again, there's those subconscious beliefs underneath these things that really impact that. And it's, you know, this is to sound like a sweeping statement and I don't mean it to be because it's more than just this, but underneath that perfectionism is sometimes this belief of, 
this isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. So if we have a space that's like never, oh, I got to do this. Oh my gosh, I can't do this. If this is a blah, 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 and it's never, never kind of finished in a way, there can be that subconscious, this isn't good enough anymore. I'm not good enough or whatever, same kind of aspect. I think you just hit it on the head there, though. If we're talking about the relationship between physical space and mental space, I think if this isn't good enough, that you'd find probably a lot of the time that's going to translate into I'm not good enough. Totally. Right. And there's an aspect of like self-worth metal. There's a lot of kind of stuff that Mm -hmm. totally kind of comes out there. And, and the flip side is too, is sometimes we'll, you know, consciously even avoid a space because it is too kind of cluttered. Right. And then Mm -hmm. we can be like, uh, you know, their belief is like, in a way I'm too cluttered. Right. Like Mm -hmm. there's just kind of, there can be a lot of stuff in there, but there is that sweet spot. I'm too much. I'm too much. Yeah, I like that. Exactly, right? That's too, I'm too something, but I love that. I'm too much. There's too much. I got too much stuff. I'm too much. That's exactly it. I like that. And, you know, again, there's that sweet spot between everything, like between awareness and significance where we feel good in the sense of like, Mm -hmm. you know what? I have an office, a room or my space or meditation space or an altar space or whatever it is where I want to go to, right? And I think that that is such a, obviously a gift if we can kind of set that up. And again, that's a moving target. There's a lot of kind of mm-hmm. things involved, but I think that's the goal, right? Is creating that physical space where you want to go to in all with all your awareness open as yeah. much, you know, that's a relative thing, but as much as we can, where we're not having to put more filters on top of the filters to kind of pretend that we're feeling a certain way in a space. So, and I think that that's, you know, and that's the goal and it is incredibly powerful to be able to kind of have that space to do because it is like this, it's a relationship that we feed and then it also feeds us, right? Mm -hmm. That room, that desk where things kind of happen, that creative space. If you're an artist, that area by that, you know, the natural light and you got your, you you know, you got your stuff all kind of set up Mm -hmm. where you kind of want to go and be you know, and that's definitely kind of the goal. Um, and again, acknowledging we can tip either way by making things obsessively, oh my gosh, I have to change this. And I I can't do something unless this changes or kind of ignoring stuff and being like, oh no, no, no. Like I'm not, I, I, I don't notice the clutter when in reality we do. Right. And so, so yeah, moral of the story is after this kind of conversation, I'm going to go look at my house a little bit differently. And I live in that space of always feeling like, oh, shit, there's, I need to do this. Oh, I need to do that. Yeah. And, but you know what? So I spent a lot of my life as a single parent with three kids. Yeah. In my home. Anyone who's ever had children will probably relate to my pain (laughs) of, um, you're constantly cleaning up after them. Like, I think that is just part of the learning process of going from child to adult. Sometimes it doesn't really hit home until we are very adult. (laughs) (laughs) So I spent so much of my adult life being a parent and feeling resentful that I had to clean up after other people and because I was a single parent, I didn't have a partner to share that with. And my kids, they sure as hell weren't doing it for themselves because guess what? Show me a 15-year-old who does. 
mm-hmm. you know? So being someone who doesn't come to the table as being really naturally super tidy, I kind of went the other way. And so my house was always a mess to the point that I was uncomfortable having people into my house because I was embarrassed about the state of my home a lot. And as the kids have grown up and then Steve and I met and, you know, started living together and your habits run up, rub off on one another. I now take great joy in cleaning my kitchen every morning. I actually love the process. It's like, you know, my 15 minutes of just clearing it out, making it right. And know it's still going to be cluttered the next morning because we've done meals and whatever, but I also don't resent cleaning up after other people now because now it's like a talked about share of duties. And so I guess what I'm, I'm getting to with that is that my relationship with my willingness to create the physical space that I prefer has changed over the years as my, um, as the things about it that were heavy changed. Interesting. Yeah. And totally. I, I think, you know, we all come by our kind of filters and beliefs, honestly. Right. Cause when you mm-hmm. said, you know, cause the reality is, is you did, you did need to do like the things right before. Right. Mm-hmm. So that need to kind of obviously is ingrained in a way that, or especially was ingrained in a way that of course you did. Right. Being a single mom, having three kids, like that's just, there's, that's a lot. Of, that's, a, that's a lot. Right? <laughs> it's just like, But, you know, it's cool that you've been able to get to the point now where there's a satisfaction, there's a meditative process with it. And that's definitely what I see, like with my partner, Caitlin, is her ability to be hyper present with something. And that for her is that ease of kind of kind of putting things into different order and stuff. And Mm -hmm. she gets joy out of it. Mm -hmm. And to the point too, like she's on like TikTok, like clean talk, right? I don't know if you've seen that, but there's like, there's like, and it is, I've watched some of it and it's, it's so satisfying. It's like people organizing a fridge, like perfectly. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and it's weird. I've never thought I would like that. Right? I was like, whatever, but I see it. And I was just like, wow, that oh, is yeah. satisfying that organization kind of aspect. And, you know, you do realize then that there can be authentic joy from some of these things, right? Again, it's that mindset. There's the have to versus want to. Yeah. And I think cleaning in our physical space really is embodied that that's such a narrow line, right? Yeah. Because when it's have to, that's where those things like either resentment or other people, I have to do it because someone else didn't, or I have to in order to have some sort of reflection of myself versus mm-hmm. I want to, right? Like, as you said, like you clean your space in the morning, like you're at a point now, mostly mm-hmm. where you're going to be like, I want to do this. Right. And from an outside observer, well, I am about the kitchen. I can't, I can't speak about the rest of the house, but I am about the kitchen at least. (laughs) Well, that's authentic, right? Like that's your kitchen space. Like you can do that. Right. And, um, yeah, no. And I think that that it is interesting how the same behavior from an outside observer could look the same, but it's come Mm -hmm. out from two completely different perspectives for the person doing the action. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, that I think is really 
all throughout life, right? Like we can, when we look at things of just as what is that the action that's happening, there's a, there's a lot we're kind of missing, but at the same time, of course we do, right? Because how can we not? But we, we use our own filters to judge then what the action is for another person when really Mm -hmm. it's not our filters that, that are really relevant there. Well, they are, but it's their filters that are doing it and they can be totally different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Have you come across any good resources for people to find out more about the sort of feng shui aspect of creating uh, your space? There's a book, I'll put it in the show notes, but um, that is a good basic one that mm-hmm. I really like because it talks about all things like the position of your bed, you know, like mm-hmm. where you're sleeping. And again, these are subtle cues, but subtle cues are nudgers, right? And yeah. so, you know, I know people that have changed the position of their beds and it's affected their sleep. Not everybody will do that for, right? But there's subtle things that kind of um, put us in balance to our environment. So there's an aspect of that. And really with the internet these days, it's great. You can kind of just Google like feng shui for kitchen or feng shui for office. Mm-hmm. And it'll kind of, there's a lot of articles that are really kind of simple and straightforward to kind of accentuate, okay, well, what type of elements do you really want in an environment? And obviously what you would want in a bedroom is going to be different than an office. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do find it interesting and fascinating because they it is based on, um, well, really looking at nature, right? And looking at kind mm-hmm. of the language of nature and the interplay of information in nature and just bringing that same language of information flow and putting it into our kind of human man-made environment. And it's kind of cool. And even online, you can look at different examples of like kind of rooms that are kind of accentuated a certain way. And, you know, like sometimes you can't even, you know, know exactly why but you can look at a picture and be like i like that right or that there's yeah. just something about it and it's that type of aspect where i think what's really cool about feng shui is you know we talk about okay well you know have your desk a certain way and you want a high back chair and you want certain pictures and you should have a water feature and a plant and blah 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 blah, blah. yeah but it's beyond and it's greater than the sum of its parts and that is that kind of aspect of flow and nature and where it is more than the sum of its parts, even though it's the paying attention to the little parts that can kind of get us there, mm-hmm. the kind of end result is a little bit bigger than that. And um, so that's why I think, you know, feng shui is, is important. And again, some people, all the power to them will go over the top and spend like hundred thousand dollars on a consultation with an expert to get the absolute perfect feng shui yeah good for them uh i for me that wouldn't be i think even if i had the money wouldn't be something that i would necessarily do but because like anything you can kind of i don't want to say too far because that's a judgment and i think for that person that would be okay but like anything we can squeeze every last drop out of something and then at that point i think it's worth okay well what's what's really behind this desire to do it Mm-hmm. But to go that little first step and really to see what kind of elements kind of make us feel a certain way is really interesting. And where, again, where I find it interesting is that individual aspect of it. So you can counter certain beliefs that you have, like a self-limiting belief with respect to say, uh, I'm not good enough would mm-hmm. be like a metal kind of element 
um, belief. Well, you can mm -hmm. have a certain metal element in a room that where that's that belief of I'm not good enough, you would want to kind of balance a little bit. So which can metal could be like actual metal, anything kind of really formed mm -hmm. in terms of precision is kind of metal. Um, so you might want more of that type of feature. Say if you are doing something um, your office or something where you can, that little self limiting belief can pop up. <clears throat> so you don't have to be grandiose to kind of have and utilize the effects of feng shui or the kind of that art of placement. Every little nudge is a nudge kind of in a positive uh -huh. thing. And, uh -huh. um, and again, we know what's best for us. So even that intuitive aspect of, I like this, I think that's what we trust, whatever it yeah. is. And that trumps yeah. everything. So, yeah, let's talk for a, a, a hot second about in a physical space. And I'm speaking about this actually from experience, because this is where I sat for a lot of years and it's sh shifted considerably in the last, I don't know, six, five, ten years. What happens when we hold on to too much physical stuff? because of the memories that they represent um so is basically what i'm getting at is is there a time when the clutter can be the physical space that feels good i mean Absolutely. in my case it it didn't it, i was holding on to stuff because it was very fear-based but it didn't feel good and i think well, the the well it's just like it was a like, you know, the quote unquote hoarding, hoarding, right? Yeah. Right. Like keeping so much type of stuff. Cause you're like, Oh, and that's an example of where the discomfort feels good because it's familiar. Mm -hmm. Right. So that kind of like that belief of either I'm not going to have enough. So I need to keep this. I might need use of this or like, Oh my gosh, if I let go of this, I'm letting go of a memory that's associated with it. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly we just have piles and piles of, of, of stuff. And, doom. Right. And again, there's usually, you know, is there a squeeze associated with that, that fear? Oh no. What if I let go of this? And if I let go of this, then I'm letting go of the person. And usually that is kind of that aspect. It's a squeeze. So it can be comfortable in the sense that it's keeping those piles of doom as you said before, but like we're talking volcanoes of doom, I guess, in this kind yeah. of conversation yeah. is less stressful at the start anyways of just saying, okay, let's get rid of it all. Right. So we mm -hmm. kind of are just like, no, 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 no. I, I can't do that. Uh, uh, that makes me too nervous. I'm not ready for that change. So I'm going to keep these, these piles and everything and everything. And really what it is, and I think it, it what becomes is a literal weight, right? Like when we have yeah. all that stuff yeah. kind of around, it can literally become a weight. So, you know, it, again, no judgment because we come by those things honestly. Mm -hmm. And in a way it can make us feel good because you know, we're not, we're, it's, it's, it's relatively good because it's less stressful than creating that huge wholesale change and really going into the vulnerability of what we'd be like without those things. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. And I, I think that you actually uh, touched briefly on a piece of it that um, is important. And I think sometimes that holding on to stuff like that 
can really come from a place of scarcity. And I think, honestly, in my own personal case, it had more to do with being in a place of scarcity as opposed to like the nostalgia of the stuff. Totally. Um, I still hold on to stuff for the nostalgia of the stuff, but it's in better balance now. I think when it was more problematic for me, it was coming from that place of scarcity. I was a single mom. I had no money. I was always feeling like I couldn't afford to pay for something when I needed it. So if I had had it, if I had it now, I couldn't afford to let go of it because I might not be able to replace it if or when I did need it down the road. Totally. And there's an element of like, of course you would. There's a very mm-hmm. conscious, there's an element of consciousness that's totally associated to that because that makes, that's practical sense, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like now, you know, we've, you know, we've... It's not practical when you're talking about three of the markers out of your kid's eight pack from five years ago, though. No, exactly, right? right? There, there's an aspect of kind of, a, but there's an element of saving some stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like, so there's an aspect, and I, I know, like... I think actually it's interesting you say markers, like, cause there's so much, like we, I think most parents have this bin of stuff that's like, kind of <laughs> doesn't really yeah. work, but kind of a little, maybe a little bit works or something, but maybe they can squeeze one more thing out of it, but it's just like, it just adds to this kind of big pile or saving things for potentially another child down the road, road mm-hmm. right? Like it makes sense, but then you can get really into it. Like, Oh my gosh, I gotta, I, I gotta keep everything. And then suddenly you got yeah. bins full of stuff that is, is challenging to kind of assimilate even if and when you kind of need it. So I, I again I think it's it's that metric of have to do something versus want to do something. Right. Like mm-hmm. so, you know, you can save stuff because you're like, hey, you know what? I want to save this. I mean, this is gonna be cool. Like I'm gonna use this another day. Mm-hmm. And then there's that kind of frame of mind of, oh shit, uh I better keep this. Like what if I don't? Right. And so it's the same behavior, keeping it, but it's again come at by totally different directions. Yeah, and that's our journey. It's it's challenging to be present to know the difference between the two, you know. Yeah. But that's really kind of my my opinion, kind of why we're here, right? Is to kind of be in that presence, to be aware of when we really do want something versus the have to. Right. And mm-hmm. that's the difference between that light and heavy kind of aspect of stuff. So, and uh, you know, it's the same thing. Some people would do well, I'm sure. And even are grateful that they hoarded back in the day and they have all sorts of valuable goods from yesteryear <laughs> that kind of worked out. They're like, Haha, totally. and it was come from, from a place of just like, yeah, even if it was from scarcity, but you know, there's obviously going to be another aspect of stuff where it's just like, it becomes so heavy and like almost a tsunami of stuff that they just don't want to deal with, but don't can't get rid of because it's part of almost their identity. Right. And then that's a way down kind of aspect. So it's again, that the difference in mindset being such a big kind of aspect about the beneficialness of something or not. Right. And, and I think, you know, you also touched on this, but I think it's a, a really key element to recognize is that in terms of how our minds work to try and keep us quote unquote safe familiarity is safe in terms of our brain patterns familiarity is safe even if it's unhealthy totally change is scary because it's unknown 
So even if it's actually healthier, the the familiarity stays safe. And some of us don't have uh, a great capacity for discomfort to move outside of those familiar is safe, even though it's not good for me. Totally. Spaces. When I was in that space of like, really, I mean, I was not at the level of what I would call hoarding. It wasn't at that kind of a place. There were no dead animals under um, newspapers. <laughs> that, you know, like it wasn't that extreme, but I, I absolutely just had too much stuff. I moved and what I ended up, I was so overwhelmed with the element of like packing for that move. This was 10 years ago. <laughs> packing for that move because I just had so much stuff and I could not like face the choices around what to keep and what to let go of. I actually, my mom came um, and my dear friend Jane came and one or two other people, people that I really, really trusted. And I said to them, you go ahead and pack that and you make the decisions that seem right. And I let go of it because honestly, I never knew what they got rid of. Interesting, eh? Totally. Yeah. So the aspect of asking for help in that journey in a, in a way that feels good to you, that was the way that was doable for me. But asking for help uh, can be so beneficial in that. Oh, totally. Process. Right. Cause again, that's, they're not looking at their frame of reference is totally different <clears throat> than yours. And you can see what you're describing. If you had to go through all that and make the choice oh. overwhelming, never like, Oh my, like you just uh, totally like even just hearing that if I had like, no, right. There's no yeah. way that you could go through because again, like significance clouds are perception and there'd be so much significance for you going through all those items of yes or no. And then the significance of your, why am I in this place in the first place? And oh my, like, you know, again, it's mm -hmm. just like this avalanche. I'm a of, failure. Right. Like suddenly it's like all these little, like, it's kind of like a circus of self-limiting beliefs kind of comes mm -hmm. to town there. Right. And it's, but yeah. So you're how, and then how did you feel after you, they were all done with that? Uh, it was not an immediate sense of relief. Ultimately, it, it was a sense of relief, but it was really hard to sit in that place where I gave away control. Interesting. Totally. So that's that, right? Really hard. I bet. Interesting. So yeah. So you kind of trade a bunch of self-limiting beliefs kind of for one aspect of one, you know, with respect to control. And that kind of makes sense. And, and frankly, um, control is still an issue that I absolutely grapple with totally. on and, the regular and again like i think we've i know control isn't a bad thing right like control there's elements of control of where it's creation right absolutely. so the, i think yeah. control gets a bad rap but it is a bit of a rap at the same time so yeah. it's you know it, it's um it's again again that difference between need and have to right there's have mm -hmm. to control and then like kind of wanting and then most people will be like well no i want to control but yeah there's kind of a have to in there but like the want to is like is that aspect of kind of creation of like sorting doing things and stuff but being able to let go and do that that's that true kind of perfect aspect of control but anyways yeah that's um and i can see how like kind of going i'm like again kind of 
going into you know the Sarah space and picturing what it'd be like for me if I had someone come in and do that and I would also see that aspect of like being like oh did they get rid of something that I don't know that I'm going to really want later you know Mm -hmm. like that kind of bit and stuff but again not being able to come up with an example of that moment of what that would be right so you're again you're dealing with the themes and not the things but I'm sure after that over time when the things weren't there then a little bit less of that energy is there because, mm-hmm. you know, this is a little bit of a different topic, but at the same time as the things is what we imbue physical things with meaning, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think it's the, the, so related to what we're talking about. Though. Yeah. Like the symbolism of stuff. Right. So mm-hmm. it's um, anyways, it is, it's, 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 it's really interesting kind of what we charge up. So, yeah. So this has been good. I've, I've learned a lot today kind of going through yeah. this and you know, I'm excited to kind of look at my spaces a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And again, I love these podcasts because they really take things that quote unquote, I know, but they make them real for me. Right. Yeah. And they take, they take a cognitive kind of knowledge and help it translate it for a more of an experiential aspect. What a and, great way to put that. And we all have those aspects, right. Where we're like, you know, yes, of course that makes sense. And shouldn't blah, 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 but kind of allowing it to be, part of our experience and I'm excited to kind of look at different kind of aspects in different rooms of my house from that mm-hmm. perspective. again, from that excited perspective, as opposed to this have to, you know, yeah. and it's a, uh, yeah, that's an interesting thing. And, and just as a bit of a footnote to the conversation, I think it's worth recognizing that um, what is sort of the ideal physical space for us to function mentally. That is a thing that can shift over time. That is not a static destination. Well said, totally, right? Our themes shift. They're not static. They're not conclusions even. It's Mm -hmm. a snapshot of a moment in time, but time flows. So, so do our themes. That's interesting. I know that's a great point. I'm glad you kind of brought that up. Because it's very easy to, like, even from a five element perspective, like, oh, I'm a water person. This is blah, 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 I need. But that shifts too, right? Our mm-hmm. needs, our wants, who we are, we shift, we grow. That's growth, right? So there's that paradox of, yes, things change, like a tree, you know, grows. It's still a tree, but it's still changing at the same time. And it's just like mm-hmm. us, we change. And uh, that is a big aspect that I think is really important. It's really important. And I think sometimes we can get hung up on a little bit of the, uh, whether we're talking about a monetary cost or just like the, the effort cost, but a bit of that like sunk cost fallacy mm-hmm. of I put all this time or energy or money into arranging my space this way because this is what I thought I needed. And now it shifted. And I mean, Honestly, I'm saying this because I recognize that I'm grappling with this. We moved about 10 months ago and I spent a bunch of money at Ikea getting exactly the furniture I wanted. So the whole room had the white shelves and it was a very like craft room oriented space. And I am doing zero of those things in terms of like craft stuff. And my whole business focus is very much shifting. So the way I want to use that space is shifting. And I'm trying to figure out how to justify getting rid of a bunch of the furniture that I spent all this money on. Yeah, it's interesting. 
that can be a real like stumbling block. And I, I don't necessarily know the way through it, but I do think it's worth recognizing that it exists as part of this process. Totally. You know, and you said it like, you know, there's an aspect of a sunk cost and forgiving ourselves, And, and again, it's that aspect of reminding ourselves, we don't have to know the, all the intricacies of stuff, yeah. the stuff that you bought, even though you thought part of your mind and filter said it's, this is for crafting. Maybe somehow that aspect of allowance for yourself for something you were going towards op helped open up a door with respect to something that's completely different. Mm -hmm. So it still could, it still has been a contribution to you, but we kind of like to define exactly what that contribution is and going to be. And then if it's not, then it's then therefore it's not right or something, but maybe there's another aspect that it contributed to you already that isn't in that preconceived kind of framework that you kind of expected it to. I think you're actually absolutely right. I think for me, it was sort of, the first time that I was willing to invest in making my space. So here, this is like a full circle moment, folks. It was the first time I was willing to actually invest um, not just my time, but also monetarily, as opposed to like getting a $10 thing off Facebook marketplace, which is historically how I have navigated this. This was the first time I was spending money on me creating the space that I wanted to house my creativity. The fact that my creativity, like the, the channel for that has shifted, doesn't change the learning that came with allowing totally. myself to be the priority in creating that space. I love it because you, exactly right. You, you invested in yourself. Yeah. You put the yourself means this as crafting, but the investing in yourself transcends any kind of one area. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. There we I, think go. That's a good, I think that's a good way to end. I think we got this. <laughs> I think we got this. All right. Thanks again, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next time. Have a great day. Thanks for joining our conversation today. You can head over to thisbiglifepodcast.com for all the show notes and information. If you loved what you heard here today, would you do us a favor and rate and review the show? It helps more people just like you discover these juicy conversations. And if you know someone you think would love this particular episode, you can even go ahead and share it with them right now. And if you have a topic you would love to hear us discuss, or someone you think would make a great guest for our show, you can submit your ideas using the link in the show notes. And you can always find us on Instagram at this big life podcast. Thanks again. We'll be right back here in your ears next Tuesday. See you then.